Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, or Padomaru in-game, and my co-host Ruben, or Barefoot Farmer, and our intrepid friend Ben, or B. Grasher, lurking in the background. It's episode 17. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. So this week, it's our first week where I think we actually know what we're talking about. So we're going to discuss our usual card of the week. We're going to do a quick rundown of the decks that we've received this week. Then our main topic is we're going to talk about the top commons and uncommons in this format in the set six packs, which are all opinions. So we'll be able to check in in a few weeks to see if anything's moved up or down. And then we're going to go do uh, the first few picks of a few drafts just to get us all familiar with this new draft format. Uh, first things first, um, I'd like to say uh, thank you to everyone. Uh, last week had our biggest listenership, so we had over 400 downloads of the episode, which is about double what we usually get. Still about half of what Neon's Eternal Cast gets. So if everyone could tell at least <laughs> two friends that don't currently listen to the show about the show and have them download, for example, a significant other, a child with a cell phone, um, <laughs> and have them download this uh, download this episode, I think we could become the number one podcast in Eternal. All right. And then next, we'll go to our, um, our new uh, flagship segment, uh, Listener of the Week. And uh, this week, I'd like to say thank you to Dwiggy. I had this memory that Dwiggy was the first person to ever email us a deck list. I, I checked back, though, into the logs, and he was not the first person. He was the second person to ever send us a deck list. But he's an amazing drafter. He's one of the most co um, consistent submitters of deck lists and feedback, and has just been sort of a great motivational force for me because it was really cool that someone that was so good at draft was listening and enjoying the show and he always has uh, positive things to say about it and he uh, helped me learn last format that I was just a dirty aggro player. Good job Dwiggy. Yeah we love Dwiggy. Dwiggy's always the pretty much at the top of this total submissions of deck lists, seven win deck lists perpetually. All right well thank you Dwiggy. Yeah great work. Um, so, Ruben, how was your draft week? Oh, man. It, when I was able to play this week, it was a lot of fun. I think the, the Dark Frontier is like a really cool set. And I think that might be uh, partially explaining the, the boom in listeners for the, the show is this format and this new set are really well designed. And I'm sure the word got around pretty quick that there was like a really fun especially in terms of limited format available on eternal and i think people are kind of jumping on it um myself included i think it's a it's been a blast i really think that the the types of decks that you can be successful with are so vast and these new mechanics are really putting a cool spin on the game i a, think a twist one might say they're putting a nice twist i know i totally failed to even come on how was your week? What I mean, your draft week. <laughs> I know your your week of uh, life and work has probably been as crazy as mine. But <laughs> yeah, well, my draft week was uh, 
I'm going to have to admit it again, not maybe as full as one would hope the host of a draft podcasts would be, but with all of this sealed happening, I, uh, for the first time in a couple, in a few months, I joined the sealed league this, uh, this month. And right now I'm sitting at 17 and three. So Ooh, nice I've, job. I've been playing a lot of sealed and then they had this, this event um, the test event in preparation for the uh, the main Masters draft challenge um, this weekend. So I joined that, played that, um, did less less good in that. Went seven and three. That's still pretty good. What yeah. was the cut? What was the cutoff? Like eight wins, or I don't was, know. Well, no, because it they only cut to like top sixteen in this test tournament. Oh, so you needed to be a nine or ten. Yeah, it was. Okay, I, I didn't look at the final standings, but I saw I saw our our, our boy Man and Mouse was ten and 10, 0, 10 and zero. So hopefully he, I'm really excited to go back and watch some people's drafting portion of that too, because I'm sure some people streamed it. Yeah, it was a little sad because I opened a pretty good pool. I opened like three or four bomb primal <laughs> rares. I also had a roast. The, oh um, yeah, the primal guy. The primal guy. Yeah. So I was solidly primal, and then I, I and then I had fire as my splash. But it felt like a really strong pool, so I I was a little disappointed in going seven three. But that's hey, right. you know it's even more disappointing, not being able to play at all. <laughs> Did you not? You would have been able to play the test tournament. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to play the like second day, so I just didn't want to. Uh, get into it oh you would have gotten Um, a free draft back though i know i know i just it was hard to find time yeah um between that and i just kind of wanted to when i had time to jam drafts so i could uh you know sound like i know what i'm talking about here (laughs) rub it in so shall we go to our other flagship segment uh card of the week so what's your card, Ruben? You want me to start? Uh, so the card I wanted to talk about this week is Blood Nurse, which is the one one for one for one shadow influence requirement. And you can pay two to twist it. And what, twisting is where you give a unit plus one, minus one. This witch effectively kills herself if you twist it while she's a one one. But when you do, you get a vampire bat, with, which is the one one with flying and lifesteal. So this card is deceptively good right now. I think it it does some crazy things in certain decks. And first of all, just at its worst, it's a turn one, you play it. Turn two, you can just turn into a vampire bat. Which if you're playing a deck with tons of, you know, backpacker machetes or something, a a flying lifesteal unit can usually do quite a lot of work. At its best, though, this card can just fill your board with flying vampire bats. You put a like a worn shield on it or something, and you can just churn out extra bats over and over again. And there were there are multiple times, and even and I know you've really enjoyed playing the horn. Yeah, that's what you were going to talk about, right? I I didn't want to steal your thunder or anything, but your card of the week also ties really well into decks that. Uh, kind of abuse the blood nurse. So yeah, I guess with that, I'll let you talk about your card of the week. Yeah, my card of the week is a Horn of Plenty, um, which is a five-time relic, and it gives your units plus one, plus one. 
But I was actually going to take my card in the other direction, where I was wondering if you felt that this card was like a little too slow. I don't I don't think that it's one of the best commons or anything, but I do think it's good enough to make a lot of decks. And if you do have kind of a go wide, like you have this blood nurse, you can have blood nurses plus worn shields and all of that stuff happening. And then you play a horn of plenty and you're going to be winning the race very handily. So there yeah. are certain, there are certain decks where the horn gets kind of crazy. Um, and I think there, there are a few go wide cards floating around in the format as well. Yeah, see, I just had this in uh, my last draft deck with a bunch of the the time oozes, the three-time 2-2 that twists to play another 2-2. Yeah, Um, it does play really well with that guy. It gives them an extra activation and makes all the oozes bigger, for sure. Yeah, and I, uh, I had two horns of plenty in the deck, and I never played an effective horn horn of plenty i was just always dead like on turn five i like never had a chance to take my turn five off i was always still trying to stabilize the board because it felt like so many of my opponents were aggressively attacking me and then the games i won with the deck i ended up going uh four and three with it but the games i won weren't because of horn of plenty it was because i out aggroed my opponents and just happened to not draw my horn of plenty. So I don't know. I'm. Uh, I think we'll talk more about this, but the, this format is feeling a, a lot more aggressive than I expected it to. Or maybe that's just what people are doing at the beginning, and it'll sort of evolve as people yeah. get comfortable. I, I, I think that there's a lot of different deck types to address Mm -hmm. even more so than the defiance format that there are like there's a spell matters deck there's decks that abuse scout there's decks that abuse twist abilities and and a lot of these there's all all, like almost all the factions have have their toes in in most of these mechanics like yeah so that you have so many different ways you can combine things in different combinations of factions even it's it's pretty wild I think what what you're capable of doing, and like I had a Argentport Spell Matters deck this week that was really it was one of my seven win decks, and it was super strong, and it just felt like something that I had never really seen before <laughs> in any previous format. The spells but, matter, yeah, and well, a spells matters deck that really had support and yeah impact that had commons that really felt like they like the shift guy that gets plus one, plus one when you play a spell and things like yeah. that. There are a lot of cards that are situationally super powerful. So if you're really drafting nice and methodically, you can end up finding a lot of really cool combos. Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, you know further explore this format, both in draft and in the podcast, because it does seem like they are giving you know drafters a lot of sort of avenues to test and explore and play with. And I think, you know, I'm saying that this format feels aggressive because I've been playing and playing against a lot of aggressive decks. But I also think that's a good thing as long as they're not too powerful because it gives, you know, drafters like me sort of a fallback <laughs> strategy yeah. as as they sort of explore the for- format. All right. 
And then uh, Ben wanted to talk about uh, the coins, in particular granite coin. So what are your thoughts about the coins? The coins are really interesting. They, A lot of them have varying degree. I think the shadow one is pretty bad, and the rest of them are all varying degrees of really good. Sometimes yeah. insane. Like the, the primal one I know was one that Galnon picked up on really quick in the format as something that you even just splash if you're not playing primal you just throw you you don't care you just throw it in your deck for its effect because it's that good Mm. giving a unit reckless while also just giving you an extra power to use it's not bad but you do want to make sure you're not busting your power base your influence requirements for it yeah too much but yeah if you're just running a solid two faction deck throw off color coins in your deck that's fine they're great cards do your coins shut off your insignias yeah i think that it would shut off insignia well it doesn't shut it off it it just is depleted yeah insignias still work don't be afraid to play insignias in your three color decks because i've been doing it and it's really really helpful i think the coins are an easy card to underrate i kind of underrated them but um once people start exploring the seven win deck list uh you know, we got a lot of seven win decks with coins in them, and I think people are using them to great effect. So, uh, if you haven't gotten on the coin train, uh, listeners, I would maybe bump them up a little bit in your pick order um, because they seem to be doing pretty well so far. Yeah. Okay. So, seven win breakdown. So, this week we got um, over 75 lists from. 35 listeners. Wow. Yeah. And about 60 of them are from the new format. And then we had a few stragglers from the last format. So we have about 60 deck lists already from um, Dark Frontier. So like always, we're going to give a thank you to everyone who sent in a deck list. Um, So new this week are Michael B, the Reverend M, Adam G, Micah B, Tim W, Mark K, Twin Hex, Sunnyvale, uh, Joseph H, Peter P, and Camomilk. Then our uh, veteran um, contributors, and a lot of them sent in multiple deck lists. Um, Adam H, Angel A, Ben Grasher, Clint McCool, Captain Cookie and Cream, Dwiggy, For the Eternals, Gaonan, Induku, Jose Carlos 2121, Cassandrith with 12 deck lists. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas H., Nate S., Patomaru, Raven Dragon, Ruben L., Ryan D., Spiro, Stagger Lee 42, Starstorm, Terran Flame, Tim J., and Zelda 76. So, quite the list of people there. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. I mean, this it's awesome. We're already getting in territory of being able to really say some uh, kind of solid things about what the format. Yeah, especially if we keep getting lists at this rate, I think by next week we're going to have a pretty good grasp of what's going on. So we're just going to do a quick overview, and all of this stuff can be found um, in um, in the spreadsheet, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And so we're just going to quickly just go over what uh, factions seem to be doing well so far. So the number one faction is fire, though 
just by a smidge. So fire time justice are about all um, 50% of the decks have either fire time or justice or both in them, which is pretty amazing in, a, I think, a two-color format. Um, primal is our lowest with just uh, about a quarter of the decks having primal in it, and then shadow, about a third of the decks have shadow in it. So, so far, Primal seems to be the big loser, which I think makes a little bit of sense when you look at their um, commons, as you'll hear about a little later in the show, probably. Oh, oh best uncommons and worst commons. I yes, and I think, I do wonder if that's maybe part of Pro Primal's problem, because they had a similar sort of um, thing going on in the last draft format, but splashing was so much easier that you could, you could, I think, you know, Primal worked well as a secondary or tertiary color in the last format. And since there's not really many tertiary colors in this format, uh, you know, people aren't able to make use of their strong uncommons. Yeah, and, and Gaonan and I, when we first saw the cards, we, we were looking at it like right after the set came out. And we immediately ooh, got to open up the, the draft packs to see what was in them. And we were like, oh, Primal's amazing. They've got Flash Freeze and Lightning Strike. It looks so good. And yeah, the commons are looking really bad in Dark Frontier to make up for it, kind of. <laughs> it's, it's funny how that worked out. But I, So I, I think it could come around, although maybe Flash Freeze-type effects aren't quite as strong as they were in the previous format, um, where we had big old coastal beast masters flying around um, beating down mm -hmm. in this set it feels like you get to win from stranger angles a lot of go wide stuff and weird twisting effects and shifting units and all sorts of stuff happening yeah it might be a little less straightforward the thing to know is how much how many fewer splashes there are so so far about 20 percent of the decks have a splash uh which i guess is not as low as it could be so a lot of people still are finding space to splash, even with the insignias and not a lot of fixing. But this is down from 5.5, uh, where over 45% of the decks splashed. So it is a lot different in that regard. And, and splash meaning? Four or less cards. Four or less, okay. Yeah, that's what we use as far as the spreadsheet is concerned is a splash. Cool. We have four or less of... A card we count it as a splash okay and then the final thing i just wanted to say is uh it seems like rakano and cambrai are our top two performing uh dual factions or we have the most rakano and cambrai decks in so far but they're all pretty close still so i think after next week we'll have a a better idea if any faction pairs are doing a lot better than any others but uh if you'd like to help us contribute and get more of this data, um, you can. we collect everyone's seven win deck lists, and you can send them in to farmingeternal at gmail.com, and just send in your exported deck list, and we put it in a spreadsheet that you can find in the show notes. Um, ben is uh, working on his other spreadsheet, which goes card by card, and uh, pulls out like the top, com the top cards of the format and stuff like that. Um, but that takes a little bit more time to set up because it's a little more complicated. But for now, you can look at um, our original spreadsheet 
which has everyone's deck list. So you can check those out as well as sort of a faction by faction breakdown. And once again, that's farmingeternal at gmail.com. So on to our main topic. So our main topic this week, we just thought we'd just quickly go over some of the top um, commons of each of the factions as well as uh, the top uncommon and just kind of rate them pick order of what cards we like in each of the factions. Yeah, so, this is not our statistics. This is just our personal cards we're impressed with. Yep, impressed or excited about. And uh, this is just um, the Dark Frontier pack. So this does not include the draft packs. So, Ruben, what are your top three fire comments? My number one is... I feel like the number one and number two are pretty much equal for me. Yeah, it's between the two burn spells, Char and Streets of Flame. So Char is, it costs one power um, and one fire influence. It's a fast spell, so you can play it either turn. does two damage to an enemy. If you are an old school magic player, it's it's just a shock. And these types of cards have always been really strong in draft, in my experience. They help either... They, they, you always find a use for them. Like, they never just sit in your hand like, oh no, my opponent only played big units, so I just lost the game. Like, you usually can combine it with some damage to finish something off, keep yourself in it. So, this is the type of card that is, at its best totally stalls out their game plan and kills a critical two or three drop or something. Um, and at its worst, just helps you to, you know, whip, finish off a fight of some kind, I think. Or or you could say at its best, it's dealing the final two points of damage to end the game. Because <laughs> yeah. it can go it can go face, <laughs> which you never know. I've, I've won plenty of games of magic with shocks in the past, so yeah, it, yeah, it's, and it's, it's totally a, it's... possible. I think shock is a or yeah a shock like effect or char for two damage is especially good in this format because there's so much twisting happening. So there's a lot of low health creatures around. Very good point. Yep. And the the other burn spell I wanted to talk about. This is my number two, just a smidge behind chard, is Streets of Flame. Uh, it does three damage at fat. It's a fast spell for three power and only one fire influence. And you also get to scout. Uh, so this this card, being able to also scout and hit at fast speed, it's really good. I don't know why I've been seeing so many of these flying around in the drafts I've done so far. I feel like I see them very late. Um, I think people are probably a little scared to take this over a medium to good unit early on because a lot of people want to figure out how they're going to win the game first. Um, but I think this card is worthy of a pretty high pick personally because the removal is not super available. And like you said, a lot of things are hitting low amounts of health with all the twisting and stuff happening. This pretty much kills almost everything at a certain point or another. Um, and then my number three, I... It was hard. I was debating a couple of the the common units, and none of them are really that critical to a deck's game plan, so I just picked my number three is Daring Maneuver, which is the two power, pl give a unit it for only one influence of fire, 
give a unit plus two plus two and overwhelm at instant speed. So it's a fast spell. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this card is super flexible and powerful for obvious reasons. Uh, I think it helps you get in damage. It can win combat on defense and finish off games a lot of times. The Overwhelm is such a powerful effect in <laughs> Eternal. With Eternal being such a, a brawling unit, smashing together sort of game compared to other card games, I, I feel like this effect is really really good in eternal in general and always kind of has been those are my top comments for fire what are yours yeah so for me i said number one char ben uh, on the other hand had blurry chaser as his number one card which is the the two fire uh one three yeti that with quick draw that twists for two or twists for one to scout and that's actually my third. For our second best co- fire commons, I said Streets of Flame just like you. And Ben actually had Granite Coin. He really nice. likes the coins. It's a good one. Yeah. And he, his only comment, he was sort of commenting at our number one, saying that he actually would take Daring Maneuver over Char, he thinks. Which I I disagree with. But, Interesting. I could see arguments for that. Yeah. Personally, especially if you already kind of knew what your game plan was looking like. Yeah. And then I, like I said, for number my third fire common, I had Blurry Chaser, and Ben had Nimble Conscript, which would be an honorable mention for me. Uh, Nimble Conscript is the three fire three four with Reckless that you can shift for one. Oh yeah, that. That card's good. I think there's other units that I like a little better than him. Hmm. Reckless is pretty bad. Yeah, in my, reckless... in my opinion, I've never, I've never really enjoyed playing any reckless units. Just, yeah, just because it, it just puts you at such a disadvantage in certain games. Yeah, I think Ben and I are looking at this as a very um, trying to be very aggressive, and I think in that regard, you know, having the big butt on that of four health. You know that that survives against quite a lot, of, quite a few creatures, and so I don't know. It's been doing work for me, uh, mostly in you know my most of my experience with it is in sealed, but in my sealed deck so far, um, it was pretty good. Nice, yeah. I think it's a solid card. I just would never take it over one of the burn spells personally. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so then uh, the top on uncommons. What was your top uncommon <laughs> for fire? Heretic's Cannon. Uh, this card's way too good. <laughs> it's just way too good. That's, that's all you can say about it. So it costs six. It's a six-costing weapon. So if, at first glance, you're going to maybe pass this up. But it gives plus two, plus two, and Overwhelm. We just talked about how great Overwhelm is. And when you attack with this unit, it doubles their attack damage. Mm-hmm. So it it'll just is an incredibly powerful effect. It, it wins games out of nowhere. Just an unreal amount of power on, on any of your units. On your smallest unit, is sudden, if you put it on a 1-1, one, one, it's suddenly hitting for 6. Like, that's crazy. If you put it on a 3-3, three, three, it's suddenly hitting for 10. If you put it on a Berserk unit, you just won the game. Like, the game is over. 
Mm-hmm. So there's there's plenty of circumstances where this card is uh, the the power level is kind of unreal. And I I saw recently one of the deck lists Cassandra sent in um, was splashing for two of these. That was it. He had no other fire cards. It was like a Huru deck primarily, just splashing two of the cannons because it only is one fire influence requirement, which makes it just. You always want to pick it, basically. <laughs> I think you you don't want to pass this card. It just hits way too hard. It's the type of it's the type of weapon that just wins the game on its own on just about any unit. So yeah, be beware of this card. I'm sure plenty of people have both won games and lost to it at this point. For the yeah. record, my my number two uncommon was Outlaw Ringleader, which I think is a really solid card. Outlaw Ringleader is a 3-3 for 4 for 2 fire um, that you pay 4 and twist it to give one of your units plus 4 this turn, and it has an onslaught effect of playing a 2-1. So this this card, I've already played it multiple times and been super impressed with it. Um, still would never take it over a cannon. Uh, what, what was your top uncommon? <laughs> yeah, both Ben and I picked Heretic's Cannon. I think it's, a, it's an obvious sort of pack one pick one best red uncommon yeah it's scary yeah let's move on to time now my number one time common is corrupted behemoth which is the force is the the big t-rex the four six overwhelm for five that you can twist uh paying you pay three and twist it and gain two health um and I, I think this card is just un, is super powerful. It both a four six for five is a great stat line. That's really really solid um, amount of stats for the cost and overwhelm, all great on its own. If it was if it was just that, I would be picking this card quite a lot. But having the ability to also increase your power and gain health uh, makes it so that a lot of racing situations have just immediately turned in your favor with this one common. So, um, yeah, I just think this is a very high impact common all around. Just, just having a unit that is, that wins the game almost on its own in a lot of situations is really great. And if you have ways of increasing its health, it just can hit even harder. So yeah, I, I played against like my first game of, dark frontier in draft i barely beat this thing like my opponent did nothing else and i was playing flyers on curve and they just played this thing and it was really it was way closer than i wanted it to be and i took a mental note i was like that has to be a good card because i almost just lost to only it like it was nothing else happening for my opponent but this life-gaining t-rex so that's my number one. What was yours? Mine was uh, the uh, Devotee of Sand, which is the two-time, one-three, plus one maximum power, shift two. And I, I guess I was looking at this because I have Corrupted Behemoth as my um, third best common and in time. And I was looking at this from a pack one, pick one perspective where I think I would... I don't know. I would rather just have the two drop before I took the five drop in time, especially in one that ramps me and allows me to, you know, play my corrupted behemoth if I get one later. 
which is kind of why I had it as the card I would pick first if all there were were time commons in the pack. Yeah, this is a really solid two drop for sure. Yeah. And, I, I, yeah, I had I had the devotee as my number three. So yeah. yeah, I think it's great. And then Ben had Horn of Plenty um, as his best, which is the five time plus one plus one uh, relic to that gives plus one to plus one to all your units. Uh, and I I think this is gonna go like I said in my card of the week. I think this is the card that's I think everyone assumes it's like a Xenian obelisk. And I just wonder if in this format, if there's a, there are enough aggressive decks that you might not just get the chance to play it. But there's also always the chance that the format slows down as people get used to it and start experimenting more. Yeah, well, and if you have a board full of twisting units and that have powerful effects, it gives them all an extra activation as well. Yeah, so no, there's I agree. certain There's certain moments where I think it's going to be very strong, but... Yeah, it's not going to work for every single deck, for sure. All right, and so your number two? My number two was Quicksilver Blob. I love this card. I think it's super cool. And it has the ability to to kind of take over the board on its own with with certain increasing health effects and stuff, which there are quite a number of in the format. Um, even the common slot, there's a lot of cards that give your units extra health. Um, and if you put them on something like Quicksilver Blob, like I, I talked about how much I loved Blood Nurse, and I love Quicksilver Blob for similar reasons, just that it it manages to gum up the board really well, and all, also is kind of can can in certain situations play out like a, a win condition of sorts if you're able to really af- use certain combos of cards to just abuse this and then play a horn of plenty or something you know to pump them all up yeah I, I i just like it i think it fits in a lot of different decks you don't have to just be abusing twist to make it great what was your number two uh my number two was also quicksilver blob for many of the same reasons it just it's a card that allows you to go wide or you know or if you're in trouble, um, you know, you play this on turn three, you have a, only a 2-2, two, two, but on turn four, you twist it, and then you have a 3-1 and a 2-2. Two, two, and that's a lot of attack, even if you need to be defensive with it. You know what I mean? You're yeah. able to double block. Uh, yeah, I agree. And then Ben had Corrupted Behemoth, uh, the card, your number one, as his number two. And then for number three, you said you had Devotee of Sands. I had corrupted behemoth, so we were more. We had the same three top commons, just the order switched around a little bit. Yep. And then Ben, with his continued curveballs, has amber coin as his uh, third top common in time. Nice. Yeah, I mean amber coin. If you get what is that? There's a another time common none of us mentioned, but it, it, get, it gets plus one plus one for each unit you play. Mm-hmm. Um. It's like an ooze of some kind, isn't it? I forget. Yeah, it's exactly. three time shift three or something, and it's yeah. a one one. Yeah, and, it gets and, plus, and plus one every time you. Yeah, Maybe that. I like that card in conjunction with multiple, you know, rings. I think that's kind of a cool, cool effect. 
A coin, sorry, I said rings. Amber coin. Yeah. This is going to be a trend. Ben is going to manage to put one of the coins in his top three commons. All right, so top uncommons for time. Uh, This one was pretty hard. There are a lot of really cool and powerful effects here. My favorite one, I think, that the one that sticks out to me the most is Still Weave Shroud, which is the weapon for three and one-time influence that gives plus one, plus two, and when you play it, you get to silence a unit. Uh, I just... It seems like in this format specifically, this card kind of does something crazy powerful. And there are going to be a lot of situations where you're going to have a showdown between different powerful twist mechanics or something. And this this card lands and gives you extra health to use some of your twisting powerful cards. And while also silencing whatever's uh, troubling you or silencing a flyer if they're beating you down. Um, I just really, I like this card. It it seems kind of innocuous a little bit, but, but to me, I've, I think I would make room in almost all my decks for this uncommon. Yeah. So I, I know there's there were lots of others in competition for this top time uncommon spot, but th- this one is my personal favorite. Yeah, my little PSA for everyone is, this is a, sort of a corner case, but it's actually enemy unit. So you can't ever, you can't, for example, silence your own reckless unit or silence a stunned unit like you can with some of the silence effects. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, especially with all those cobalt coins and stuff uh, running around, there's quite a lot of reckless. And so I had a situation where I was like, oh, sweet, I can do this, silence my own guy. But uh, unfortunately, I could not. My uh, top uncommon, Novus Antimancer, which is the three time three three endurance shift five, play a two two locust with flying. So, I just I have dreams of uh, of coastal beastmaster playing my little locust, and um, so I don't know. It's it's probably not the greatest card, but I think I like it, that pick. I didn't realize it had endurance actually, so. Uh, I think it, it's gone up a lot for me <laughs> just yeah. in the last 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like a 3-3 a three, three for 3 with Endurance is pretty good. And then having the ability to make a flyer and have two units spread across two bodies, um, you know, it just seems like a powerful card. T- time does have a lot of, of really strong uncommons. So my sort of on or honorable mention was bulbous humbug which is the uh, The three time one one two two. yeah yeah that you can twist to draw a sigil and then um ben picked for his top uncommon uh blurred stag moloch which i don't actually know oh yeah this one i was i almost picked this one actually because i i think this card's really cool stigum stigmolic Blurred stig- Stigamolic. <laughs> yeah. It's a 7-6 for 10 that has Overwhelm, but it costs 7 less if you have 7 attack or more among your units, which is really easy to do. Yeah. That's really, really not hard to do. I got I got beaten down pretty hard by this. 
in a game I was already losing, I, I should add, but it still felt really nasty. <laughs> I was like, oh, I really had no chance this game. <laughs> I I think it's great. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to, you know, report back on this after I actually play with it some more. But Yeah, well, this is this will be exciting because all three of us have different top uh, uncommons for time. So we'll check back in a few weeks to see if any of our positions have changed much. Nice. All right. So now let's move to Justice. My number one, just like both of you, was Retribution which is the three-cost spell that silence and stun an enemy unit, but it has onslaught, then kill it. So if you're if you attacked or are in you know have attacked this turn, it takes care of anything. Um, and onslaught's really easy to activate. So most of the time, this is just three power kill a unit. <laughs> it's it's really good. Yeah, uh, I very think... very good. It feels it feels basically like unconditional removal because the condition is so simple to meet. It just means sending a unit into combat, which isn't a big ask for a game that you, wants you to attack with things to win the game. Yeah, I I will say I feel I feel bad because in the last episode with Gaonan, I I sort of expressed some hesitation about this being as good as everyone thought it was but i think after having lost to it a bunch it is very good and onslaught was not as much of a drawback for a kill spell as i was expecting it to be yeah you know i kind of thought the play pattern would be you have to attack in and get your and lose a guy to then kill one of their guys and so it's you're kind of two for oneing yourself often but at least in how I've seen it played so far, that has not been the majority of cases. Yeah, well, and in the situation that you need to remove a blocker to actually get your attack in for damage, it still does that. It silences and stuns a unit. Like, yeah. it's, it pretty much removes whatever problem unit you need to. Um, so either, either, like, all of its modes, really good. Um so I think that was a pretty easy one, and we all chose that as our number one Justice Common. Mm-hmm. And we also all chose the same number two Justice Uncommon, which is the Tauride Test Pilot, which is a card that I, I love because it is both a Valkyrie and a Minotaur. I've, I've played Minotaur decks for a long time now. It's a 1-4 for 4 with Flying and you get to pay to and twist it to gain an armor. And just, even if you didn't gain the armor, it would still be good because you're twisting, it, it gets to take the shape of whatever kind of you need in that moment. It can either hit a little harder or stall out and play great defense. A 1-4 for 4 with flying is a great body. Um, and I think I've I've already noticed it doing a ton of work in a lot of the decks I've played. I think both of my seven win decks actually had at least one of these in them. And it always was a card I was super happy to draw. Yeah, so both Ben and I had Torrid uh, Test Pilot as our number two card. So what's your top, what's your number three Justice Common? All right, so my number three is Flash Grenade. The Flash Grenade is a one Justice fast spell 
enemy units and relic weapons get minus two attack this turn. So their 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 whole board. It, this is a one costing spell, fast speed spell that completely messes up combat math across the entire board for your opponent. And I think that the power level of this card is a lot higher than many new players will be thinking or expecting. Um, and I, I because like I've mentioned before the the in eternal you really do have to win with units pretty much always like you're i mean that's probably true of most card games and draft and stuff but it's especially true here where being able to upset the balance for combat math is a really important effect and i think flash grenade just does insane insanely powerful things in a lot of situations it, it's the type of card that I would maybe initially look at and say, well, it's kind of situational, right? Like, you don't always want this. But the problem is there's such a vast number of situations where it is good and it benefits you. Um, so, yeah, that's my, that's my number three. I, it's a card that excites me and I will use earlier, even some slightly early picks on. Because I like having at least one in my Justice decks. Yeah, I ha- I haven't played it yet, nor have it really played against me. So I'll be interested to see if that moves up in my pick order as the format goes on. Because it it's a card I that I initially looked at and wasn't super excited about. Yeah, I know Sunnyvale was like super pumped by it too, and had had it in a couple of his seven win decks. Okay. Um, so I, I, yeah, it's a card. Also, there's like a flash. There's a a spells matters theme <laughs> throughout a, a certain factions in this format right now, and I think flash grenades one of your most exciting ways to activate some of those yeah sp- spell matters mechanics. All right, right. What, was, what was your number three? Mine was Auric Lookout, which I think is not a great card, um, but. That is the three, um, three justice, two three endurance summon scout shift two, and I think this is mostly that um, since I've been playing more aggressive decks, just like <laughs> a two three with endurance has stopped a lot of my decks because I feel like there's a lot of two twos and um, floating around that this just blocks and scout is always great. I'm not really sure I would ever shift this in, <laughs> but it does have that backup mode, I guess. So anyway, yeah. So I just think it's it Ben chose coin, right? And <laughs> Ben chose coin. Yeah. So I think Oric Lookout. It's a solid card. Um, it's done a lot of work against me, a surprising amount. So I think you know a three justice two three with endurance is just not a bad card. And then Ben chose coin. And I actually think the Justice coin is pretty good. Having a plus one, plus one weapon is uh, pretty sweet with all the um, all the twisting going around. And there's not a ton of weapons going around either. So I think, you know, just adding plus one, plus one to a unit can put it over the top of some of your opponents. All right. So then top uncommons and justice. Uh, Yeah, this one, we all chose the same card. Yep. Steel Legion, which is a 5-costing 
four four. It has two justice influence requirement. Four four flyer endurance. Uh, it's, there's a lot, a whole lot to say about that. That's just a really great solid card and limited. It is, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's the eternal version of Sarah Angel. A great yep. card. Fantastic. Yeah, I had a num- my number two. I wrote down just to make note of it is Relentless Deadshot, which is the two two for two that has life steal and you can twist it for three to stun an enemy unit. Um, this the upper end of impact for this card is really high. Like it can do. It can totally destroy their board for you, get in some massive attacks and stuff. Yeah. Um, and if you manage to give it extra health, being able to repeat that effect. Um, this is the type of guy that's you're occasionally going to want to sacrifice it for an extra twist effect. Yes. Um, so be aware that it's not always correct to, to just keep it on the board. Sometimes you want to go ahead and twist it away for that extra stun to keep getting damage in. But also a 2-2 lifesteal for two is never bad, right? It's <laughs> no. always been pretty good and limited, I think. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, so Top Commons Primal. This okay. one, I think, was the hardest to come by. And I think Primal's Commons are probably the weakest of the bunch, is what we decided. Yes. Yeah. As we're going to see, because we're going to talk about some really bad cards in our top three. Yeah. Uh, well, we all had the same number one, which is Cobalt Coin. Yeah. Which we mentioned earlier is the the power that comes into play depleted. It gives you one bl- primal influence. And if Onslaught, if you've attacked, you get to put a inferiority complex on one of the opponent's units which gives their unit reckless um which makes it so they have to attack every turn which is essentially a removal spell of some sort in a lot of situations so having having removal effectively uh pasted onto a a power card is incredible (laughs) the the upper end of of power level for this card is really high i think that there's been a lot of situations where um, people have thrown it in decks that weren't even running primal, so mm. uh, I, I think that's a very valid thing to do. Also, so that yeah, that was my number one. I'm those both of your number ones. Yeah, and it was primal. Ben's number two and three. Also, <laughs> he just didn't even bother with two and three. I don't blame him. I was. A slog, there's some bad looking cards. My number two is actually Camp Surveyor, which is a 1 4. I'll pull it up here so I can give it to you. Three cost, one yeah. four scout. Three, yep, three costs, one four. Summon scout, shift one. I chose this just because I think a 1 4 for three is a really great unit to pair with flyers and stuff. I, I always like having something with the big butt on the ground. Uh, keeping my health total at a healthy place while I pick away at their life with flyers. So it's it's the type of card that I'm not super upset to end up having in my deck. Um, but the fact that this is the second best common is pretty bad. Uh, what was your number two? I just said Yeti Instigator, which is the three pi- primal 3-3, three, three, no other text. 
<laughs> just vanilla three three for three. Vanilla three three. It's you know I don't know. I guess in this format, I you know I'm excited for a coastal recruit and primal. No pledge, but I don't know. I just I I think a three three for three is fine, and I'm just not sure about paying three for a one four. Hey, um, my one four blocks your three three though. Yeah, my well, my three three blocks your one four. I got a scout though. Come on, <laughs> give me some good. And it shifts. You never know when that one four is gonna get in for that last point of unblockable damage. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, number number three is actually a good. It's a pretty good card to me. I chose furnish, and furnish is the spell that gives a unit plus one health and or has onslaught give it plus three health. So it's a one costing fast spell. Which is pretty good for you know saving a unit in combat, but really, the extra health in being able to have an instant speed worn shield, I think is going to be really crazy powerful in a lot of decks. And I think that you shouldn't be ignoring this card early. You don't assume that it's draft chaff, and just keep passing it because there are going to be a lot of decks like decks with blood nurse, who we've mentioned earlier gives you a ton of vampire bats if you manage to furnish it. Um, with an extra three activations. So uh, yeah. there there are going to be situations where this card is going to perform really well. So, yeah, I just add it to your list of solid cards, I think. So that's my number three. What was yours? Yeah, well, my number three is actually Belligerent Yeti, which is the two primal, two one, twist one, deal one damage to an enemy. I think this is also kind of a sleeper card. I put it three. I'm actually higher on it, especially when comboed with Furnish, which I think is what makes this card actually good because Furnish almost becomes a summer streets of flame. You know what I mean? You give, you give belligerent Yeti plus three health. And then for three power, you can deal three damage to something. And now you have a five one, and spread out any way you want to, which is really great. That's why I think it's deceptively powerful. I haven't, I actually haven't played it. I've lost against someone who just had like the nut draw with it. But even though I think it overperformed in that game, I think, but like if you put Furnish on Belligerent Yeti, your opponent can't play many cards because you're like, every card in my hand dies next turn to this card. If your opponent plays any three health unit, it's just dead because you're belligerent Yeti and you'll get to hit in for a massive amount of damage. Feels even better if you attacked this guy into a 2-2 and they blocked <laughs> and you get to furnish, yeah. save it, kill their guy and also have a bunch of extra activations. Yeah, makes me think maybe these cards, it's a little deeper and more complex than we're giving it credit. It still does feel like they're, it's the power level is kind of not quite there yes on their own i think there might be you know i think if you get tricky you know there might be something there but we'll see all right so top uncommons and primal i chose lightning sprite which is a the one four for three he with flying uh has pay one and twist lightning sprite to draw a card then discard a card um i just it's this card's really cool and like we talked about how Taride Test Pilot was a great card, and this is even better. <laughs> it 
the being able to loot instead of just getting extra armor is so much more powerful and it costs one less uh so yeah this is it's just a really strong flyer both wind condition and method of filtering through your deck and discarding your power cards for better cards late game and stuff i i just think it's, it's awesome and also the just the fact that it's twist is so cheap being able to pay one to have this effect i know it's really really strong although i will say primal to me has the most impressive uncommon suite of dark frontier across the board because this was a really hard choice there's you know the three three flyer for three which is amazing there's like a few other really good cards in there too it's it's just a really it looks solid all around what was and what did you say oh you had even another great flyer at the uncommon yeah so ben also chose light lightning sprite and i think it's because it's a a three drop so it's a cheap flyer, so you're very likely to play it. I picked and, that. And yeah, and he, his influence cost argument is always <laughs> something that Ben's looking at. Oh, it only costs one primal influence. That means I get to splash it. He's probably was comparing it to the three three for three flyer. Right. Um, and lightning sprite gets the nod. I I think it gets a pretty heavy nod. <laughs> it's it's got a really powerful effect. Yeah, and so I chose the Cloud, Sa- uh, Cloud Snake Matriarch, which is the 6 Primal Primal 5-4 Flying Warp. When you warp a card, including Cloud Snake Matriarch, draw a card. So just on its own, a 6-cost 5-4 Flyer seems pretty reasonable. Oh, yeah. Um, and then with this ability, you know, I think... You know, if you're getting this in your fourth pack, it's probably not as good. But pack one, pick one. This is like a build-around card that you could, you know, you could easily make this the best card in your deck. And a very, very powerful card. So that's why I kind of picked it. It's like, a, it's a build, it's more build-around-y than Lightning Sprite. I think Lightning Sprite is better in more decks. But Cloud Snake, I think, could be the more powerful card if you build the deck for it. Cool. I like that. That makes sense to me. All right, shall we move to Shadow? Shadow, our final faction. Yep. So we all had the same uh, first pick, which is... Our our number one common in Shadow is Eviscerate, which is the five-cost spell that just kills an enemy unit and has Onslaught... So if you attacked with the unit, you mill, discard the top five cards of their deck. Which can come into play. Uh, Funny story, I actually, one of my 7-1 drafts was just straight Carindon good stuff pile. And I ran into another deck that looked so similar to mine. It was also Carindon midrange. And I decked my opponent. And this this was the critical moment, was playing Eviscerate. Like otherwise, there was no, there were no other mill effects or anything, and I. This was the only reason I won was that I managed to trigger one of my eviscerates one turn, 
I mean, my, it was such a crazy game. I had multiple like card draw cards in my hand that I just wasn't even playing because <laughs> we just reached such an insta- insane board stall that even with like like 15 cards left in my deck, I was like, well, this is coming down to who decks first. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it was it was slow. There were like multiple corrupted behemoths on each side and neither of us could manage to stick a flyer and have it survive so it the game just stalled forever so hey occasionally the the discarding effect is going to be good but in general get back to what we're talking about eviscerate's good five power kill a guy great like can't complain it does exactly what you need it to do and you pretty much always hit five power in draft in this in eternal i've always found this is off topic to the top commons, but I do think five is sort of the sweet spot for cards. I found in in the last format with Coastal Beastmaster and there being such powerful five cost cards, it was like five was always easy to hit. And then and then I would often stall at five and that Power Breach Sentinel, for example, would just like felt like it never came out. That's a good observation. I think you're you're totally right. All right. And so, yeah, so both uh, Ben and I also had Eviscerate as our top common. And then there's a little contention in number two, where Ruben? I chose Razor Quill, which is the two four for four single shadow influence that can twist for one to gain you a health and deal one damage to your opponent. And I think that a two four for four is just a solid unit all around. But this twisting effect is just deceptively super powerful like this i've i've already won a couple of games with this card plus like worn shield just to dome them for the last five or six points of damage for the game like it's it's happened multiple times now that i think this card it can either you know you twist it to, to deal damage and go on the offense if you need to or it can play pretty good defense. I think a 2-4 four for 4 in even previous formats has always been pretty good and is still solid here and manages to block most things pretty favorably. So it's just a really, I think it's a really solid card and has the it's a common that has the upside of occasionally being able to just be like a flame blast to your opponent's face. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that's that's my number 2. What did you guys pick? Yeah, I actually also uh, put Razor Quill as my number two. And then Ben had Crook- Crooked Alley Guide, which is the three shadow, three two, summon scout, shift one, um, as his number two, which was my number three. Um, nice. This is a good card. Yeah, it is. I think the shift one is very good. And three shadow, three two is not great, but... You know, the fact that you scout and you can shift it for one, I think. Yeah, it's just a solid card all around. Yeah. Like, it's probably going to make just about every single shadow deck you build. Yeah. Like, I have trouble seeing it being cut for anything. Unless your deck just, for some reason, had crazy high quality of units. Yeah, I think and, this is pretty much always going to make the cut. And, uh, like, like I've been saying, Ben and I have been having more success with aggro, so... He's uh, currently twenty and four with Stone Scar decks, and nice. about and about four and twenty with every other <laughs> <laughs> faction. So 
I think he's putting a a, a, a high premium on aggressive uh, fire and shadow cards. Cool. Um, yeah. So, Good what was that. your number three? Since mine was uh, Crooked Alley Guide, you chose Crooked Alley. Okay. Mine is a uh, Blood Nurse, who we've mentioned before, is our bat making shaman lady. I just I I love this card. I think that it's like yeah, you know, like I said, at its worst, it's a bat, and at its best, it's many many bats. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of this card. I think it's super fun and powerful. So for me, it's like the sweet spot. I, I love like building around cards like this too, which it's not hard. It's like ma- simple math. Oh, I give put worn shield on this. Make many bats. Oh, I, I win the game, I guess. So yeah, I, I like blood nurse. And you you had cookie out crooked alley guide. And Ben also had razor razor quill. Yes. So yeah. Blood Nurse is the only anomalous card in this. Yeah, so once again, we'll see if either you move down or Ben and I move up on Blood Nurse. Blood Nurse is going to be my, uh, which which I'm going to call it, the... uh, Heroic Bravo. The Heroic Bravo of the format. (laughs) All right. Yeah, so, yeah, let's go into the uncommons for Shadow. And this one, I'm the only one that differed. So you and Ben both chose Spiteful Strike. Yes, which is the one shadow uh, fast spell that gives your unit uh, plus two lifesteal and quick draw for the turn. Yeah, obviously amazing. Just a super powerful card. Yeah, that was a close number two for me to uh, Umbran Voidbringer. I've been really impressed with this card. It's a 2-2 for four double shadow influence flying berserk which i I don't know if you guys have played with flying berserk units it's a pretty broken combination of uh, battle skills in my experience and has onslaught draw a unit from your void and i've been playing this card a good amount already and i'm super excited to pick it because it just seems like it it just is incredibly powerful. Like with the pump effect, you're ending the game. I mean, flying berserk is amazing, and in a lot of situations, the onslaught's pretty easy to trigger with a lot of decks, and just draws you a unit from your void. So even at the very worst, you you send a unit in, it trades with something a lot of times, and you just play this guy and just bring it right back to your hand. I've already done that multiple times, and it feels quite strong like the val- the ability to gain value with this card is really high and if you can put a heretics cannon on it the game just ends on the spot i've already actually done that once and it felt really disgusting so and that's not a crazy thing to pull off they're just both uncommons but yeah you guys chose spiteful sp- strike here for the uncommon and i think that's obvious really really strong as well so yeah no, I would not. I think Umbrin uh, Voidbringer is a very solid card. I mean, you are paying so little for a for that um, dark return. Not it doesn't give plus one plus one, obviously, but you know that dark return ability. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see that ability on a flyer, a flying yeah. berserk unit. It's so cool. I just I love it. I think that there's there's gonna be a lot of situations where you get to set up your plays to really make massive use of this guy. Um, also, spiteful strike. 
very easy to find situations where that is really strong. <laughs> all right. Well, that covers all of our uh, initial impressions and ideas about the commons and uncommons thus far. I'm sure we all get to... Uh, we'll have a good laugh at ourselves after the actual statistics start rolling in. I know you. we wanted to go over some drafts now, right? Yeah, I was thinking we're just going to do the first uh, few picks of a bunch of Ben's uh, drafts. He, you know, he doesn't appear that often in show, so I thought um, he's been streaming recently at Ben Grasher on Twitch, uh, which you guys should all check out um, and follow because he needs to get affiliate so he can have a lower encoding rate so I can watch him on my phone because right now I cannot watch any of his drafts over my cell phone connection. So everyone needs to follow him because I think you need like 50 followers in order to get affiliate so that I can finally watch Ben draft on Twitch over my phone. And that's Ben Grasher at Twitch TV. All right, yeah, so we're going to go over a few of his his drafts and um, just like call out some cards, give our opinions, just so that um, people can get a sense of how we would navigate the first few picks of a few different drafts since it's so new in the format. All right, so pack one, pick one, uh, cards in contention are Bam Sneak Peeker, which is... Um, sneaky Peaky. Uh, is that what it is? A sneaky <laughs> Peaky, sorry. Uh, which is a four primal primal, three five, and when Bam attacks, play a one one Yeti Spy, and then it has a shift that really doesn't do anything, I think. It transforms a market card into a Yeti spy. Oh, yeah, that's probably why I don't know what it does. Super flavorful, though. It's beautiful, but um, not then, relevant, usually. Yeah. Then um, there's a Stronghold Vandal, which is the 2-fire 3-1, shift 3, kill an enemy attachment. There is Patience, which is a three-time increase the cost of each card in the enemy hand by one. Uh, an Omnivorous Warlunk, the three-time time, three-one, time, killer overwhelm. Roosting Warhawk, the five justice, three-two, flying, onslaught, plus one, plus one. And a, noble con- a nimble conscript, which is the three-fire, three-four, reckless, shift one. Um... And Ben took this sneaky peaky, which I think is what I would pick because that's I would consider a bomb or a very good card. Yeah, I wouldn't call it quite a bomb, but it's it's good enough that you take it here because I think the second best card is the uh, the what's the Ren the Stronghold Vandal, the three one for two that can shift to destroy a, an attachment. Yes, um, that card's pretty solid and has multiple uh multiple modes of being played which makes it pretty cool and uh flexible so there are going to be a lot of games where you're just going to want to drop a three one for two and there's going to be other games where you're going to want to destroy their heretics cannon maybe (laughs) but yeah i like the sneaky peaky this is kind of a cool it's a three five for four that has a crazy attack trigger that's being able to make a spy every time you attack is... I could see that getting out of hand really quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, I like it so much is because, you know, five health is quite a lot of health. So it doesn't... it 
it's able to attack. And even if it gets chumped, you know, you're still getting some value. Or if they let it through, you know, you have a 1-1 now to, bl- to chump on your own side in defense. So it allows you to, in some sense, race pretty well. Because you're just like constantly building chump blockers or, you know, creating chump blockers, which I think is pretty nice. And, you know, a 1-1 Yeti Spy, you know, those can draw you cards, which is pretty sweet, too. Yeah, I can't fault them for just taking the rare here. There's not yeah. a lot of other super exciting stuff going on. Yeah, the, the Stronghold Vandal, the one thing I wanted to say about that is the, the shift just has me really... I'm having trouble with a lot of these shift cards because they just seem so much... um, Like a loss of tempo? (laughs) That's what I think a lot of times. Yeah, they're a loss of tempo, but also, you know, I almost want, you know, because the two fire, this is like the unit version of Ruination Sludge, except you can't like do, you know, I almost would rather have this like two fire, three one, and then pay three more and kill an enemy. Yeah, you gotta think of it differently. It's it's either a two one a three one for two, or it's kinda like a spell that kills an attachment and also later gives you a three one. <laughs> yeah. That's, but are you ever holding this in your hand assuming they're gonna play an attachment eventually? Unlikely in the early turns, I would just run this out on turn two a lot of games. Um, yeah. But occasionally it could be right if you had better things to do early on to hold right. on to it. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. I, you know, like I really want it for its kill and attachment um, effect. It, yeah, it's but more I just, just a, feel a like decent, I, yeah. It, I'm never go, it's never going to be in my hand when I need to kill an attachment. Yeah. It's more, I more think of it as just a decent, just two drop that it can occasionally do something good, like solid for you in yeah. the in the case that they play a really broken attachment. Yeah, because like, you know, with Ruination Sledge, you would sometimes hold that back, even if you could play it on three or four, being like, oh, I would rather play this for five and get full value. Yeah. And that felt correct while holding this back never feels like it would be correct. All right, so that was our uh, quick pack one, pick one. Now, <laughs> and in case you forgot, he picked a uh, bam, sneaky peaky. Um, pack, uh, pack one, pick two. Cards in contention, there's an expedition leader, which is the three-time one-one. When one of your units emerge, draw two cards. There's a cinder sprite, a two-fire, four-three, charge overwhelm. At the end of your turn, when Cinder Sprite deals damage, or at the end of your turn, or when Cinder Sprite deals damage, sacrifice it. There's a Combra Insignia and Auric Lookout, which is uh, the 3 Justice, 2 3 Endurance Summon Scout. There's a Belligerent Yeti, a Yeti Instigator, and a Hold Under. I think not a great pack. You know, there's a lot of medium uh, primal, primal commons. And Ben actually took uh, Hold Under, which is five primal primal uh, spell, warp, deal damage to an enemy unit equal to the highest attack among your units. 
Which is, this is one of those situations where I put that on cards of contention only because the person picked it. (laughs) (laughs) And and not because I think it's a contention. But what would you, I think they thought, or Ben took it because, you know, he was in Primal, but, and he thought that was the best Primal card. But like I was saying in my top comments, I would, if I was like, oh, I'm definitely Primal. I would take Getty Instigator over a hold under. Yeah. Yeah, I think hold under's pretty lackluster. Like I think Ben Ben even mentioned in his notes, is this the worst Dragon's Breath ever? And yeah. Is <laughs> right. it doesn't combo with deadly like Dragon Breath does. It costs a lot. Like five is just way too much. Yeah. Um I, I'm sure he took it because why not? You gotta try things out. It's a new format. Um yeah. but I do think there are notably better cards here i i mean i like blood nurse you didn't even mention that right it's yeah well i love blood nurse though i'm not sure if it's better than the the justice coin is pretty good here Mm -hmm. um also uh expedition leader can draw a lot of cards in the right deck and it can really gain you a ton of value it's not a bad card at all i think it's it's quite playable um, and also, it's the type of card that if you pick early, you can kind of guide your draft to be broken with it without mm-hmm. a whole lot of effort because there's plenty of shift cards to throw along in there. Um, hey, I'd just take Blood Nurse, though. I love that card. <laughs> yeah, none of these cards would uh, really excite me. I well, think also, I... there's a phase out, right? Um, no. Which is the one oh, cost yeah. uh, sh- shift a unit basically so you can shift your your opponent's units to get them out of the way i think this card is is more exciting and constructed than draft but in the right aggressive draft deck it can be good i, I don't think i would pick it here though for just a s- solid unit yeah i mean or it's, the, or the it's a better stun effect let's get on to pick number three so cards in contention there's an Inner Might, which is the three Justice Justice. Give one of your units plus one, plus one. And then an additional plus one, plus one for each other spell in your void. There's a Hold Under. Um, there's a Roosting Warhawk. There's an Elder Meditant, which is the four primal, one, two, Aegis. Pay three and twist Elder Meditant to draw a card. There's a Camp Surveyor, which is the three primal one four that uh, Ruben likes a lot. Ben took the Roosting Warhawk, uh, moving into Justice here. I can't fault that choice at all. No, I think it's it's better than all all the uh, primal commons. Yep, <laughs> that is true. It's good. It's good enough. You know, yeah. Warhawk isn't isn't insane, but it's it's. I think it's quite solid in, in a lot of decks. And Onslaught, like we've said, it's not a giant cost. You don't Onslaught, it's still a flyer. All right. And then so pack uh, pack one, pick four, cards in contention. There's a Granite Coin, which is the Fire Coin uh, with Onslaught deal one damage to an enemy. There's a Murderous Flock, uh, which is the four Primal 3-3 three, three when you scout. Murderous Flock gets flying this turn. There's a Twin Psy, which is the five Justice Justice plus three plus three um, Relic Weapon with Warp. 
There is a Horde Duelist, which is the 2-fire, two 2-2 two, two charge. And there's also the Amethyst coin. And uh, Ben took the Granite coin. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good disciplined pick here. Yeah. Um, and so how do you feel about Twin Psy, which I think is maybe the best on-color card? It's fine. Yeah, a 3-3 weapon for 5 isn't horrible. It's a relic weapon, I mean. And on the off chance that sometimes you get to warp it for extra uh, card advantage feels pretty pretty great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not anything you want to waste early picks on, but if you're already kind of in justice, it's mm-hmm. fine. So you're yeah. still yeah, and you're still still valuing staying open with the granite coin, which is yes, you know, yep. his first fire card. Yeah, I think that's a fair pick. So then, uh, cards in contention. There is a Twin Flame, which is the 8 Fire Fire Warp Fast Spell. Deal 4 damage to 2 enemy units. A Yeti Instigator. A Warfront Missionary. And then in time, there's a Quicksilver Ooze. There's uh, there's just a Quicksilver Ooze. And um, Ben took the Yeti Instigator finally. You mentioned Warfront Missionary. I think that card might actually be pretty decent here. It's the 1-3 for 1, right? Yes. Yeah, and that card is a champ at triggering Onslaught. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's one of the best cards for triggering early Onslaught effects, which isn't super relevant. He's just got the one coin. Oh, he's got the Warhawk, too, though. You know, by turn 5, hopefully you have something better than a 1-3. Um, this, this is close, though. I, I feel like the Ooze is so much better than the rest of these cards mm-hmm. that that I would be willing to just take the better card. Yeah. You're, you're not really committed one way or another. Although, like I mentioned in the last episode, that it's, it's harder to get reads on <laughs> signals and stuff at the beginning of formats because everybody's still getting a ha- hang of things. So maybe ooze isn't necessarily you know a signal that time is open people might just not recognize that it's good at all um but yeah i I think i would just pick the ooze here and just keep my options open that sounds good i think i would have been more solidly in justice and having picked up a few yeti instigators um but i like this idea of staying really open through the first few first bunch of picks um, so then, this will be the last one. Um, pack one, pick six. And cards of contention, there's an Inner Might, there's a Belligerent Yeti, and then Razor Quill in Shadow. Ben took the Belligerent Yeti, which uh, I guess makes sense for him as he's mostly, you know, he's strongly in Primal right now. And I think he doesn't really like Inner Might. Um, which, you know, if the spell deck is real, I think could be a real card. I mean, it's it's kind of a situational pump spell. Yeah. That, it, it well, it, it's it's good. I'm, I'm not going to say that it's not something you want to pick at all. I think you definitely want this in a lot of justice decks. Yes. But it's also not like a reason to jump heavy into justice, mainly because it costs two justice influence. Right as well um i probably would have picked the razor quill here um just well, because you i don't have, I don't a, have blood a nurse 
Oh, yeah, that's also true. I, yeah, yeah, probably. I probably would take in, take in the Blood Nurse. Uh, I just think Razor Quill is a great card, and he still doesn't necessarily have a second faction yet. And I've, I think Feln is solid enough, just as solid as just about any other combo. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I would have just taken the more powerful card. Because I, I think it's kind of undeniable that Razor Quill's power level is way higher than the Belligerent Yeti. Um, although I haven't played enough with the Yeti to completely say that for sure. But that's my initial take on it. And I think this draft kind of sums up where how I've been feeling. You know, I think I mentioned this in the last episode. Possibly. Possibly not. But, you know, coming from set five, where it felt like all the cards were powerful, it's really interesting navigating this format because every pack, I'm just like, oh, this is so medium. Oh, this one's so medium. But I think that's also really interesting because it really means that you you have to be really be paying attention as you navigate the draft and feeling out what's open and feeling out what's good because... You know, so many of the cards have these little synergies that you really need to pay attention to. You can't just be picking. There's no, like, obvious most powerful card in each pack oftentimes. Yeah, there's a lot a lot of medium cards, but when you put them together, they become strong. All right, so here's a second draft by Ben. Uh, cards in contention. This is pack one, pick one. Cards in contention um, is, I guess, the meme rare of the set. Uh, secret weapon, which is the eight justice eight eight Aegis unit, and you can shift it for two, right? With shift two, and when the enemy plays a unit, um, secret uh, secret weapon takes an additional turn to emerge. Um, there's a cloud snake matriarch, which is the six primal primal five four flying warp. When you warp a card, including cloud snake matriarch, draw a card. There is the Sensari Dervish, which is the three fire, three two charge, pay two and twist Sensari Dervish to exhaust an enemy unit. There's a Quicksilver Ooze, a corrupt and a corrupted behemoth. And Ben took uh, Cloud Snake Matriarch, and uh, I think that's what I would have taken too out of this pack. I think it's really close with the Dervish. Yeah, I think that I would probably go. I, I I guess I I can't disagree with just taking a big flyer though. Although I will say that Dervish is a beautiful red uncommon. Yeah, I see it, the Dervish just doesn't excite me that much. I don't know. Am I wrong? It's like exhausting a single unit. Just is is that all that exciting? Yeah, I mean if you manage to get extra health one way or another, you can uh, easily exhaust like a bunch of units in one turn. Yeah. And just the body is good. 3-2 charge for 3 is good. So, I mean, in an, aggress- in an aggressive draw, it's it's really scary. Yeah. And has the ability to just keep pounding. You know, you, you play it on turn 3, get in, they play a blocker, you twist, hit. It hits even harder, it hits for 4 instead. So there's just some draws where this card can get out of hand really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still medium on it, but we'll see. Yeah, can't go wrong with taking a big flyer, though. Uh, well, I guess all three of us took the Cloud Snake Matriarch. So going into pack one, pick two, cards of contention, 
There's a Wretched Talon, which is the five shadow shadow three three relic, relic weapon. Onslaught, play a one one spider with deadly. There is a Search Party, a three time time warp, play two one one explorers. There's a Oni Patrol, an Elder Meditant, a Roosting Warhawk, Yeti Instigator, and a Hold Under. And um, Ben took Wretched Talon. I think um, that's a solid card. Yeah. I think it's probably the strongest card here. Nothing else is meeting quite that power level, I think. Being able to have an a Onslaught also throwing out a 1-1 a one, one Deadly unit is great. Yeah, it can theoretically defend the Relic weapon, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat. Um, I do think uh, Oni Patrol, I know Ben mentioned this in his notes, uh, that he might be more excited about that card in the future. <laughs> Just because yeah, he's having such good uh, experiences with a- aggressive decks that this is one of the ultimate aggressive cards. 2-1 for 1 that onslaughts for an extra plus 1 plus 1 is pretty yeah. strong. Can you imagine a deck that had just a bunch of these? <laughs> you got like 5 of them, you play 1 turn 1, and then you play like 2 turn 2, and they're just dead. Even the the 2 justice 1-1 uh, one, one that onslaughts for plus 2 plus 2 with warp, just like getting a 3-3 three, three on turn 2 that you warped off your deck or whatever. It's just, I feel like Maybe it's because I'm only playing aggressive decks, but, but that card has been a house for and against me. Or pack one, pick three. Uh, cards of contention. A good idea at the time, which is the one primal warp transformer card in your hand into a random card. There is an angry prophet, uh, which is the two shadow, one, two, plus one for each of your other units. There's a Stone Scar Outfitter, the 5 Shadow 2-3. Your other units have plus 1 attack, shift 4. There's a Direwood Lurker, which is the 7 Shadow 4-5 Lifesteal, shift 6. Um, Outdraw, uh, 6 Fire, deal 4 damage to an enemy unit. Onslaught, you get plus 4 power this turn. Uh, Steadfast Paladin, the 2 Justice 2-1, invulnerable to damage on your turn, and uh, Ben's favorite, Oni Patrol. And he he took the Angry Prophet there to stay in Felon Colors, which I think is potentially a good card, right? Yeah, I like the the Outfitter, the Stone Scar Outfitter, a little better. If I'm going to go with just a basic kind of common card at this point of a draft... Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the profit's solid for a two drop, and I guess two drops you can't really go wrong. I just think that the power level of the outfitter is slightly higher. Although at this point in the draft, he's got a six drop flyer, he's got the five drop weapon. Maybe he just was thinking, go with the two drop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to I also think... help you know trigger onslaught and stuff as well. Yeah, I think I would lean towards yeah the angry profit the two drop. Yeah, that's that's it's not bad. Is there any world because you have the Cloud Snake Matriarch, you would take a good idea at the time <laughs> for extra warp value? Uh, I'm just that type of card kind of scares me. <laughs> yeah, I mean it it can transform a power, right? Yeah, and you get to choose. It's not transform a random card. 
So if you warp this and then transform one of your power extra power into a random card, that's pretty good. I mean, it's not bad. I I mean, I might throw this in a spells matter type of deck as well. Yeah. Um, just for a little extra trigger mm-hmm. that doesn't totally lose you value, especially if you're turning a power into something sort of relevant, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you have Cloud Snake Matriarch out and you warp this, you've turned your Cloud Snake Matriarch into a heart of the vault, more or less. See, you're already on the next level of this format. I'm, I can't even keep up with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure it's worth it, but I think it uh, it's possible. It's I think it's it's triable. It's worth experimenting. I'll let you do that. All right. <laughs> I won't because all my ducks are fire right now. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. So uh, pack one, pick three uh, card or pick four uh, cards of contention. There is in his colors. There's only a Yeti instigator. But then in fire, there's a Zubray's longbow, which is the two fire plus two plus one weapon. When you scout, sacrifice Zubray's longbow to have the wielder deal three damage to an enemy. There is a Oni patrol. There's a corrupted behemoth. There's a devotee of the sands. And there's a horn of plenty. Ben took Oni patrol. Being true to his roots, I guess. <laughs> In his, it's hilarious that he took that now. <laughs> He's taken a Shadow 2-drop, the Wretched Talon Relic Weapon, Double Shadow. The His first pick is the Big Flyer. And now he's like, all right, Oni Patrol. I'm, he's already passed two. Yeah, he's passed two of them. He took the Angry Prophet and Wretched Talon over the Oni Patrol. Well, for me, I'm not changing directions for that. A fire card when there's two premier common uh, time cards here. Three, three. There's my like three top. Well, no, not not my three, but three of our top commons. Yeah. There's corrupted behemoth, devotee of sands, and a horn. Uh, so I would have taken one of those probably. I think corrupted behemoth has always caught my eye as being something that. And Xenon is not a bad deck. Um, from what I've seen so far, it's got uh-huh. quite a few cool effects, and it's got all of the like really broken, twisting commons and stuff too. I think. Yeah. And so, so yeah. you you would hold true to your common ranking and pick the corrupted behemoth. Yeah, it's a four six over one for five. It's so good. I know. I know. <laughs> we already have a wretched talon. All right. Yeah, and I think I would I would stay. This is this would be tough. This I is like, like one of those one of those drafts where you just close down the program and just pick it up later. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. this is this is not going where I thought it would, but yeah, it seems like time is definitely. I I mean, it's hard to say in Eternal like how early you can start saying you're seeing signals, but I'd say if you're seeing three great commons in time that. It's probably open. Also, fire looks pretty open here too. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 a tough pick, but yeah, I would have just taken the T Rex. Okay, and I guess based on my commons, I would have to take Devotee of the Sands. Pick five cards in contention. There is another Yeti Instigator in his colors. There's the Dynamancy Enthusiast, which is the one primal one one 
pay three and twist dinomancy enthusiasts to transform another unit into a four two dinosaur with reckless uh there's the daring maneuver the two fire give a unit plus two plus two and overwhelm this turn and a steadfast paladin the two justice two one invulnerable to damage on your turn and he took the daring maneuver yeah that seems like a good that was a good pick yeah you know because i i think it's definitely the best card here yeah so assuming you didn't have oni patrol and you take taken the behemoth what do you do in this case because the time cards the only two time cards are the three time time or search party the three time time warp play two one one explorers and sudden stampede which is the warp your units get overwhelmed this turn yeah i I would be putting myself in a tricky spot for sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know ultimately the the what you're looking at is just like a bunch of kind of medium cards and then daring maneuver as being decidedly better than everything else so i probably even without even having taken a fire card probably would have picked it yeah just on the off chance that uh my draft took off in a different direction you know there there is something to be said for in a more constrictive draft environment as far as fixing goes that picking your lanes as early as you can is sometimes very beneficial just just because in the previous format we talked about how what was really working for a lot of us was staying open really late and just figuring out what was flowing in those next packs because you could always kind of shift gears and find fixing to play all of your most powerful cards because we had so much fixing um comparatively whereas now a lot of the fixing is tied up in a bunch of uncommon cards here or there so it's a lot tougher to figure out um so that 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 patient method can backfire on you more frequently now but i still would be doing it i'd still be waiting a little bit and just picking the best cards for the first several picks Um, yeah and i think you know we'll go over these last two picks but i think your method here would bear bears a lot of fruit in this particular draft because um, in pick six uh, cards of contention Ben right now has uh, two fire cards two shadow cards and the cloud snake matriarch is his only primal card but in those colors the there's no fire cards there's no shadow cards but there are a lot of primal cards there's the yeti instigator. There's the Elder Meditant. There's, um, and then two very medium cards. Uh, the Yeti Bully, which is the one primal, one one killer. And uh, Fragility, which is a curse. When the curse unit takes damage, kill it. And um, Ben took the Yeti Instigator. Um, but there's also um, a couple good justice cards in Warfront Missionary and Steadfast Paladin. And there's also the primal uh, three or the time card, the submerged titan, three time one one. When you play another unit, submerged titan gets plus one plus one, shift four. And so, would you have taken the submerged titan here? I I actually probably would have taken submerged titan just because it's, I mean, it, its ability to actually becomes a threat is higher than anything else here and 
I, I wouldn't. I mean, my, I personally wouldn't have been looking aggressive at all in my deck build. I would have had probably the one daring maneuver, but otherwise, um, I wouldn't feel bad about taking yeah. the submerged titan here. I, I think it's a good good enough card, and if you pick up oozes and things like that later, it just can really stack up and get quite large. Yeah, and I think the only reason you would think of taking that is because you had stayed open and taken the behemoth earlier. Well, you know, Ben's probably not even looking at time cards right now because, you know, he's this is the sixth pick and he doesn't have a time card in his pool yet. And there's, you know, it's not like if you look at this pack, you're not like, oh, time is wide open per se. No, not at all. Yeah, this but, this pack I wouldn't look at and say anything was particularly wide open. It's got four of the bad commons from Primal. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's all we're doing. Um, I think we're just going to go through these two traps today. We're actually having a little bit of internet trouble, and it's getting late. So we're going to skip the third draft that we'd planned to do. But we'll be here next week with plenty of more drafts to talk about. That's the end of our show. Um, once again, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Uh, thumbs up all of Barefoot Farmer's Reddit posts. And please send all of your 7-win deck lists to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And once again, I'd like to say uh, thank you uh, to all our new listeners from last week. I hope you continue to listen. And even if you don't have any 7-win deck lists and you just want to chat or have it, uh, anything you want to talk about, um, you can either post it on our Reddit post or just send an email. We ans- we read and answer all our emails. And, you know, if you send a deck list, Ben loves to look at deck lists and will be happy to give any advice or, or just make a comment about all the decks. We love to have any feedback, any points of discussion. We are always willing to talk. And so if anyone has, for example, a different power ranking that they'd like to post in our Reddit post, that'd be great. And remember, keep on farming. Bye. Adios. All right. So, so now you, are are you changing your top three commons already? Oh no no no! Let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves too much. Yeah, <laughs> go go back in and delete everything I said. Yeah. Start starting the podcast over. Yep. Let's just scrap everything we've said up to this point. All right. But yes. after having played enough games both with and against it, it's really good. Like it's a very flexible and and the at its worst, you play it on turn one and then you can just turn it into a vampire bat on turn two. Okay, and, wait, time and, out, time out, time out, Ruben. Alright. You haven't read the card. Blood nurse? Yeah. Okay, blood nurse oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And then re- I, thought you, I thought you were saying like, you, well, you don't know what you're talking about here. No. no, yeah, we do need to tell people what this card does. Yeah, and then re-say whatever you just said, and I'll take that whole last part out. And I think that the the effect of this fast spell is. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, so flash grenade.